Well, hello and welcome to Up The Arts podcast. I'm the presenter, Thomas McGill. We're new, so let me just explain a little bit about what we are. This is a podcast I reckon like no other. It's a queer art, culture and events podcast exploring LGBTIQ themes. So each week we'll be speaking to those involved, writers, directors, actors in gay plays, authors of gay literature, some fabulous people that I think are breaking boundaries and really pushing LGBTQI representation within the arts. So whether it's music, a theatre, which we're going to be talking about today, cinema, TV, I think you've got the idea of the podcast. So today, Tom Wright is one of our guests. He's a playwright and has about six plays under your belt. Is that right, Tom? Yeah, we'll go with that. Fantastic. All with gay characters at the heart of them. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be exploring that later on. And um, his second play, Undetectable, opened at the Keenshead Theatre in North London, where we are today. And it's now back at this fantastic uh, venue. Good time to introduce our second guest, who is Oscar French from the Keenshead Theatre, a space that has had its fair share of LGBTQI plays on. Any idea of the number? I mean, it must be in its hundreds. It's definitely in its hundreds. That's as much as I can tell you. Fantastic. Well, it has been going since 1970. You're celebrating 50 years, so we're going to find out about that. And let's get started. So, Tom, first of all, what's it like to be back? Because your second play, Undetectable, was here before. Yes, it was. Um, Yeah, it's amazing to be back. You know, new writing um, in London often has its sort of explosive opening. That's usually it. You know, it's very rare that a theatre will sort of commit to bringing something back. And it's a real testament to the fact that audiences came out, they enjoyed the show, they really engaged with the conversations. And a testament to the King's Head, you know, supporting LGBTQ artists and catering to that audience. So, yeah, excited to be back, excited to share it with more people. And, you know, the conversations are always, is moving forward in our community and outside of it. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see how the the play might land slightly differently even just a year on. And why did you decide to bring it back so soon? Because you mentioned only a year. You've got this bank of half a dozen plays. It's one that did really well at the Off West End uh, Theatre Awards. Mm -hmm. Why now bring it back? I just want more people to see it, you know. um, The King's Head seats around... 110. 110 people. (laughs) So, you know, even selling out that venue for a month, that's only X amount of people. Someone else could do the math. So um, there's plenty more people in London and outside of London that I know will benefit from seeing the show, uh, be that enjoyment or having an interesting conversation. So, yeah, there's lots more people to reach. So our plan is to do it here again and then see where else we can take it. Yeah, Fantastic. And for you, Oscar, as well, well, bringing it back here was that important for the theatre to absolutely absolutely um so one of the things that we're very passionate about is uh, uh supporting new writing um and particularly uh new queer writing so if uh, a project does well um, then we're very very keen to ensure that it has a future life um, and for more people to see it um so it was a no-brainer really and I was going to introduce you as Tom Wright, the new LGBT playwright. When does new disappear from? Oh, that's such an interesting <laughs> question, yeah. I don't know, I feel like I can claim new. Let's, yeah. I'll, I'm going to try to anyway, for as long as I can. Yeah, no, I've, I've only been writing for about um, five years, but uh, right. the plays really started taking off last year. Um, so, yeah, I reckon I can still claim that a little bit. Fantastic. And um, I mentioned again that all of the characters or the, the characters and the main theme of your play yes. so far are uh, gay characters. Yeah. Again, why why was that that you wanted to go down? I think um, 
growing up as people in this world, we learn a lot about how to live or how we want to live through stories, right? And that's one of the things about theatre that really interests me. And to some degree, there are set scripts of how we live our lives that we learn from lots of different um, ways, through talking to other people, through seeing how our parents live, um, but through theatre and through arts. And, you know, if you're growing up queer, the predominant story isn't one that you fit into that easily. So although when you're younger, that can be like a difficult thing to figure out. I do think once you get past that, it's a bit of a superpower. Because if you realize so early on that these sort of rules that are often uh, thrust upon us don't quite work for you or work for this part of you, which you have no control over, it was sort of given to you it means you start to question different ways. Oh, maybe I could do this. Or maybe we don't need to act like this. Maybe we don't need to have, you know, these types of relationship structures or these sorts of power structures. So for me, as soon as I started making work, what I wanted to do was sort of start questioning that status quo and make sure I'm showing uh, new scripts of how people can live. And my aim there really is to free people, to free all audiences, be that queer, but also straight people, uh, everyone, to say, however you're living your life, you're happy, fantastic. But if you're not, there are loads of different ways to live. And I really think as queer people, that's a gift that we, we can share with everyone. So um, yeah, I've always been attracted to those stories for that reason, but also it's the world that I live in, it's the people that I know, it's the life that I live. So when I want to come after anything, that is the lens that I look through. And even just in the last year here in the UK, politically so much has changed mm -hmm. in LGBTQI mm -hmm. culture, you know, with the Northern Ireland thing and lots of things have changed. So it's, it's perhaps even more more relevant. Well, we're certainly not running out of stories. Yes. And, um, and the good news <laughs> is our ones haven't, uh, negative and good you know ours haven't been told as often mm. now okay there's frustration there but it means we've got this wealth of perspective and stories that we can share with people that no one's seen before so um, it's really exciting that there's more hunger to see that now and I feel you know very grateful to be standing on the shoulders of other writers who lived in times where maybe that was more difficult mm. but you know um, for me I wrote Undetectable with a really clear uh, sorry Undetectable was the show that's coming back yes uh -huh. um, uh, with a really clear sense of why I was writing it who it was for um, and knowing that there was an audience for it because the audience is me, it's my friends, it's my community. But I'm really grateful and lucky that a theatre like King's Head, who I shared the script with, could see that too. And some of those barriers were removed for people to say, yes, let's do this show. Well, now is probably a good time to talk about the show for those who haven't seen it before and maybe coming to, uh -huh. to you and to the play for the first time. So mm -hmm. tell us a wee bit about it. Great. So Undetectable is a love story. Um, it's a love story between two men, uh, Lex and Bradley. Uh, they've been dating for three months, so it's fairly early days, but they've made a bit of a pact, a slightly strange pact, you might say, for um, typical gay men, in that they are not going to have sex for three whole months. And, and that's an attempt to be a bit more traditional, to perhaps follow some of those scripts that we're sort of told. Mm. Um, and the play joins them on that three-month mark, where tonight is the night, finally they're going to sleep together. But of course there are things that are getting in the way, and there are real truths of why that pact might have suited or been useful for them as they got to know each other a little bit. So it's real time, it's set over one evening in a bedroom so you're really in the, the boys bedroom with them up close and personal um, as they try to sort of navigate all of the differences and um, hurdles we have to get over as people just to be intimate with another person and just be ourselves and love someone which is the end for everyone right and for queer people there are some specificities there of perhaps traumas or things we've lived through that might make that particularly interesting 
But um, what I've loved about this show is that everyone who's come to see it has said, you know, I could see myself in that. I know that feeling when you're uh, sleeping with someone for the first time mm. or even connecting with someone for the first time and trying to navigate, you know, political differences or different sense of humors or, yeah, body, body uh, issues or things that you're thinking about. So it plays with all of that, but in a really fun, human way. So you're having a great time. You know, they're really trying to cover up all of this with banter and other relationship stuff. It is fun it's really really great play and Oscar you must must have seen it before as well Absolutely. the title is the title provocative for you know specifically we we so. know what that word means to you know within the LGBT community yeah so undetectable for anyone who doesn't know um, refers to those who are HIV positive but have an undetectable viral load which means they can't pass on the disease um, now this is uh, fairly recent ish that we have such amazing uh, medication now that can make people undetectable and also there's other other incredible drugs like PrEP, which people who are HIV negative can take to ensure that they too can't receive HIV. So we're living in an incredible time. Um, but also that's completely shifted the way we have conversations about sex, how we negotiate sex, um, whose responsibility is it to be taking PrEP or be undetectable? Is it everyone's? And I sort of felt, you know, living through that time, we hadn't quite figured out how to navigate it. So we were uh, thrilled that the medication was there, but there was some working out to do. And it felt like a good time to write a play to get into that because so much has changed. And, you know, on top of that, there are new illegal drugs, things like G on the scene. Um, uh, chemsex is a, a problem for many. All of this made a cocktail of stuff that I just hadn't seen all explored in one time. And a big impulse for me, growing up watching gay theatre, you know, seeking out those scripts, as I mentioned, trying to find other stories of how my life could be. Um, there was a lot, lot of work, which um, is obviously amazing, but coming out of that sort of era of AIDS epidemic mm. that was almost like paying tribute to those who were lost and the lives that were affected. But it starts to tell you your life's going to be a certain way, and, and it was usually negative and sad. And, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to live in a time where that isn't really my script. So I was really keen to write something which was celebratory uh, about the way we can live now. Yes, still going into the knotty difficulties, still not desirable to, to, to get any disease, um, but... Um, it's not the same as it used to be. Um, so I really wanted to make something that was uplifting and positive and for those people who are not just living with HIV, but, you know, thriving and really trying to continue their life. And, you know, you mentioned there about being younger and, and you know, seeing the disease as no longer a death sentence mm -hmm. like it was before. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a journalist, I get to see, you know, speak to loads of people and there is definitely still that divide within mm -hmm. the gay community you know, just within the gay community, mm. that those older people are still yeah. uneducated about what undetectable means in the yeah. very same way that they were uneducated about safe sex was back in the 80s the when they education were younger. education goes both ways. It you does, know, there's, there's, yes. uh, the Younger generations don't necessarily all understand our history and our legacy. Mm. So I just want to encourage those sorts of conversations. You know, I was really inspired by The King's Head, well, one of the fir first theatres that programmes work about, say, the chemsex epidemic and there are a number of shows five guys chilling and the chemsex monologues which i was really inspired by and they were going after it really early on when this started happening but there were some conversations after between generations actually a post-show q a at one of those shows where there was that such a divide and um some of the older generations were saying um you know i know young people now who are becoming hiv positive on purpose in order to get a flat yes and yes, I, I literally don't that. know yeah. anyone who's no. done that ever <laughs> but also there are people that are 
being careless about it for other reasons. So there's some truth in what people are saying, and there's also a lot of myths. So it, it really encouraged me to think there's something that we're not talking about here. And I think I have a perspective from my generation that hasn't been ex is explored as much. Yes. I mean, theatre is an, a fantastic way yes. to open the conversation. And again, turning to, to, to you, Oscar, the Keen's Head has been one of those spaces and, and theatres that I found really has been at the forefront of helping yep. to open the conversation, Tom mentioned there, Chem Sex and also um, Five Guys Chilling, really provocative plays that yeah. I just wonder, 10 years ago, would probably never have seen the light of day. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think uh, it it's kind of testament to our artistic director, uh, Adam, Adam Sprebri-Marr, who found uh, Five Guys Chilling um, in, in Brighton. Uh, Writer-director called Peter Darney had it on the, on the fringe there and thought to himself, people need to see this. This is a really important piece of work. Um, and it's a conversation that just isn't being had um, in London mm. in theatres. Um, let's program it now. Um, so he did. That was maybe a risk at the time, but I think clearly uh, we've seen, shown that there's an audience for it and that it's an important topic to keep talking about. And so we've built on that over the years uh, with shows like the Chemtex Monologues and now with Undetectable, which is, I think, the next step, I would say, in that conversation. Like. I hope so. I was, you know, really inspired by those two plays. I think they're incredible. But I was very much thinking, you know, we can't do the same old stuff, just like those plays I spoke about of old. We want to keep things moving. Yes. So I think where Undetectable differs just slightly is it shifts into talking about recovery as well. So we're not joining characters that are in the heights of enjoying chemsex or, or suffering from chemsex. We're at people that are saying, OK, I've done that, but how do I move forward and be intimate and be happy having experienced some of those highs? The joy of it is it's just about real people. You know, it's just about people who are listening to this podcast who are just maybe tried a bit of everything once and, and just, you know, just living their lives in London yes. and just being being them. Because mm. I definitely think there's an audience now who are just like I was tired of seeing gay men suffer in art that are now not wanting to see uh, chemsex. That's almost becoming a bit like, oh, do we have to talk about chemsex again? So we're really cautious of that. And although it's part of the play, because it sort of has to be, it's part of our community at the moment, it's really not what it's about. And um, it's it's touched upon, but not dwelled upon. With with the Keen's Head and, you know, the representation of, of LGBT culture and themes um, addressed through through art is, is fantastic. There's another venue south of the river, Bob the Stag, that also yeah. approaches um, yeah. just purely LGBT plays and, and um, musicals and and theatre. I just wonder, you know, whether or not there should be because is that because they're not represented so much in the mainstream, particularly in theatre. We've got two plays in the West End at the moment, something about Jamie and and probably and Julia with real positive yeah. stories. Yeah, I mean, and come clean one of our shows. Yes. Uh, yes. Where's where's that opening? That's at Trafalgar Studio, oh, so it finishes on Saturday. Uh, so it's been on for three and a half I weeks. I haven't seen that. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that. It's yeah, it's a Kevin Elliott play, so it's a revival of a 1980s play which again it sort of um it was written just before sort of the AIDS crisis hit mm. um the UK so it's a very different time mm. in the lives of gay men it's telling a very different story but one I think that's quite interesting to revisit I do think it's important for there to be dedicated um theatre spaces to, to providing a platform for LGBT and queer work um but for everyone to see I think um it's uh, we, we have a very loyal and dedicated queer audience, but also we hope to try and attract all sorts of people to come and see these stories told on stage because that's how you you eventually get to the stage where we do have more of those shows in the mainstream. Well, that's really interesting you say that because one of the reviews that I, I read from last year when Undetectable was here was that 
in part, it wasn't just about sex, it's a play about communication. So there's yeah. a theme that just yeah. relates, that, that anyone mm. can relate to between a, between a couple, gay or straight. That's it, it's about relationships and meeting someone for the first time and mm. being vulnerable, being honest, uh, having fun and really trying to be yourself and love someone. I mean, that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? Oh. You know, whoever you are and whoever you meet. Uh, Oscar, I don't know if, if you are able to ex uh, expand on whether Tom is, is particularly um, different as a, a younger playwright focusing at the moment on uh, LGBT plays. I mean, you're, you uh, must see lots of scripts absolutely. coming through. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think there's something very, very contemporary, very, very 2020 about uh, Tom's writing and about Undetectable in particular. Um, it's it, it's about right now, and that's the important thing. That's the, Those are the stories we need to keep telling. So we're always looking for um, the person who's encapsulating or reflecting society as it is. Are there other people like that coming to the Keen's Head wanting to put new stuff on? I just yeah. trying to draw, yeah. you know, where the boundaries are then for, for future plays we mentioned before. Abs absolutely. So we get approached um, quite regularly um, with, with new with new scripts um, and we actively uh, make an effort to go and see work as well. So sometimes we find work through script form, but sometimes we find work that's been on elsewhere and bring it to London. Um, so, so yeah. not just LGBT plays, but um, no. lots of material that will secure what the Keen's head for the next 50 years. Tell about Indeed. your ambitious plans Indeed. then. That, well, that yeah, I mean, foot. so that's it. We've been here for 50 years. Um, and yeah. whilst we've always done um, queer work, we've also got an audience for all kinds of different work. And we've always described ourselves as unapolog unapologetically eclectic which is quite a mouthful, uh, but but the, yeah, the point being we, we do lots of different things um, because we think that's interesting and exciting and why not why not have a kaleidoscope of work? Um, but this year is very exciting. Uh, yeah, so yes, yes, we turned 50, uh, opened in 1970 this year mm -hmm. and we turned 50. Uh, and we're also uh, in the middle of a fundraising uh, campaign uh, to move. Uh, so we're in the pub at the moment, um, but there's a development called Islington Square um, just next door and behind uh, and as part of that development we're going to have a new theatre uh, which will be uh, a lot bigger so a 250 seat uh, with an 85 seat studio and our own bar so we're fundraising for that at the moment um, and the hope is that all being well will be opening before the end of the year um, and that means more work to program. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, it, it's about securing our long-term future, really. Uh, and it's about securing the atmosphere of this place as yeah, well. I've seen yeah. it time and time again where people have been really keen to get a nice, new, swanky, shiny, new theatre. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it just doesn't have the character of the old sticky floors and the smell of beer as you walk in. You know, this, this place is, is fantastic. I, I think we're going to it's something we talk about all the time and people <laughs> always mention it like oh I love I love the king's head and I love the magic of it and we're very very um keen to not lose that I think we're not going far which helps like <laughs> we're not going far and we're going to be underground and the ceilings are going to be quite low and it's still going to have that enclosed intimate feeling um and we'll have these wonderful pictures you see on the wall hopefully yes. will be coming with us as well so we'll be paying homage to our history um still perform in the round yeah it can still perform in the round and you'll be feet away from actors uh and 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 i think i think basically it's going to be the same king's head but with slightly more comfortable seats and air conditioning hallelujah. well hallelujah to that yeah we're <laughs> yes. all so there. <laughs> that's that's the uh that's the dream anyway for those who haven't been to the king's head you know 
it's so intimate. You're so up close and personal with these incredible performers that are giving their all. And also this sort of in the round configuration is so fun because you're not only just watching the actors, you're watching each of the other people in the audience, the rest of your community or people not like you reacting to different things. Um, and that's such a, such a fun thing to come along and experience. And for Undetectable, it's particularly important, isn't it, that it is in the round, just the actual stage yeah. and the setting of it Well, it's about works. intimacy, right? Yeah. So we needed to get up close and personal with these characters and each other. Mm. And um, that's been the most fun thing to experience is these different people sort of looking at each other, you know, in shock or outrage or laughing. And then people sort of look at each other and going, hey, you, you laughed at that. Why is that funny? Or why are you moved at that? And, um, and hopefully what that brings together is just an electric night, really fun evening. Now, for you as well, I mean, you're not just a playwright, you're also heavily involved with um, other work at the mm -hmm. Old Vic. Tell us about, a bit more about what you do, you know, your day job. Yeah, so I do a few things that I write, I, but I also direct other people's plays. So I've got a queer play coming up at the Vaults Festival called Dumbledore is So Gay, which is sort of about <laughs> fantasy and the, and the lack of queer representation in some of our favourite fantasy um, shows and stories. Um, but I, yeah, I also produce and support lots of other artists. So um, really trying to make a bit of a difference to the ecology and make sure lots of other people are going to come come after me and, and with me. So yeah, I work at the Old Vic where I manage their artist development projects, but just about to move to another theatre to be their new work associate. So everything I do is about new work and, and different voices. And how does that other work then help you in your writing? Because yeah. is, is that your, your love? Is that what you'd want to yeah, do? Yeah, I sort time? of see it as all the same thing. So my ambition is to create new work that shifts those narratives and our perception of the world. And whether that's me writing stuff that's usually you know the most important or personal thing that I want to say, which is um, definitely the thing I enjoy the most, or whether it's me helping someone else do that as a director or a mm. dramaturg, or making the world a little bit different so lots of people can do that sort of all the same thing. So it's the same skills, just used in a slightly different way. So I really hope I can continue to work in that way. Excellent. Well, let me ask you, we're a fairly new podcast. Yes. If you were, um, obviously you're going to subscribe and listen, which I'm really pleased to buy. What else do you want to hear from an LGBT Ooh. arts and culture podcast? Well, there are so many incredible um, queer artists out there and people making amazing work, especially in theatre. Um, there's a play opening at the Bush called The High Table, mm -hmm. written by an incredibly uh, amazing queer woman writer called Temi Wilkie. She's amazing. But for me, you know, I, I watch a lot of theatre and I meet a lot of writers, so I want to know what else is going on in other forms and art worlds. I would say, I would, yeah, same same sort of thing. It's, it's what's going on outside of theatre, because I'm quite involved in in theatre but I don't know um, it's a massive city and there's always things happening well so I, I, I just am really conscious of getting that balance right because you know I talked about gay literature and about people who are you know breaking boundaries not just in theatre but really pushing that representation politically um, you know within um, sculpture and art within everything and it, it I don't want it to feel like a kind of elitist mm. podcast where and you know the acronym's getting longer there's oh we're, we're an inclusive yeah. group we're an inclusive family and there's you know such a fascinating time as we find new labels and new words and divide our identities in smaller smaller pieces so you know I'd love to hear from all of those all those letters and all those absolutely yes people. and if I've missed a letter as well you know get in touch up i'm a lgbtq and i i think we're nearly there aren't we we just say plus at the end i'm and plus then, you know at least you've made the effort you know there's some others coming yeah. 
Um, working on anything else that we can look forward to? You mentioned The Vault there, which starts yeah, so directing um, a show at the, the Vault, then yeah. we'll say gay. Also directing another play by an amazing queer writer called Blowhole by Benjamin Salmon, um, which is going to Edinburgh this year and the Brighton Fringe. Um, but yeah, writing a new play, um, actually with the director that I've worked with on this, Ricky Beadle Blair, who's an incredible person who's done so much for queer work. So we've developed a, our next play, uh, which is called Very Special Guest Star. And it's sort of the third in a trilogy that Undetectable would be number two. So we're really looking to get that play on probably next year. Do you find that you have to kind of test the water in a place mm. like the Brighton Fringe, that's a much smaller place, or, or Edinburgh mm. Depends on the project, in depends what to... it needs, yeah. Right. With, with Very Special Guest Star, we've already done a, a sort of test at Soho Theatre, so we've had an audience and we've seen what they liked, what they didn't mm. like. So I think for that one now, we're ready, we're ready for a run. Um, but for Blowhole, I reckon, um, uh, yeah, we, again, we want to try some things out. So Brighton Fringe is a bit of a tester, and then Edinburgh will be full, full engines. And Oscar, a busy year ahead then, looking forward to the 50th. Very busy Which year. is in August, is that right? Yeah. No, well, it's actually December is the, is the date, and then lots of other things planned throughout the year, yeah. If you're interested in specific shows, uh, there's there's a, a a gay version of La Boheme uh, going to Trafalgar Studios uh, in February. So that's that's called Opera Undone, and one half of it's La Boheme. That was here before, wasn't it? Yeah, we yeah. have we've done we've done versions of it. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very famous opera, but this is a brand new narrative that's been created for this this production. And the Big Birthday Bash uh, is at is at Porchester Hall, and it's a glittery celebration um, sort of charity gala I would say to raise money and then we're hopefully producing a book as well um, for December uh, with archive pictures of the first 50 years. So if people are wanting to go to the theatre and see Undetectable or anything else how can they get in touch? Well we've got a website uh, and uh, the website address is www.kingsheadtheatre.com uh, and Undetectable is running from the 12th of February to the 7th of March. Wow. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks for inviting us to, to the Keenshead Theatre. I thought it was uh, really important to kind of mark in one of our first shows the kind of contribution that the Keenshead Theatre has given to LGBT theatre over the years. I do hope that we'll be back here. And Tom, thank you and the best of luck with Undetectable and also with whatever else is to come. Thank you so much. That was fun. You've just been listening to the very first recording of Up The Arts podcast with Tom Wright and Oscar French from the Keenshead Theatre in North London. Now, the plan is to upload a new episode every single Thursday and you can subscribe to the podcast using whatever podcast app you use. So whatever, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or follow us on Twitter, Up The Arts Show or on our website, which is Up The Arts Podcast podcast.com perfect that wasn't too bad was it oh no that was so fun was that okay <laughs>